everybody. Welcome to episode 25 of the podcast that goes snicked. I'm your host, Jason Venable. In this episode, we're going to focus on Wolverine number two. I have Denise joining me again for a special look. And uh, we'll cover the rest of this week's books as well. So I hope you enjoy. And without further ado, all right, here we go. Okay, so small disclaimer. We had some minor technical difficulties, and because of that, on the upcoming segment on Denise's track, there's a slight whine. No, it's not her voice. (laughs) Just kidding, maybe. Um, But it is there. I'm going to try my best to uh, edit it out. I don't know if it'll come all the way out or not, and I'm just, just saying this beforehand just in case. Because honestly, I mean, I got the problem fixed. Uh, it was basically a situation with the microphone, and I replaced it. I don't know why it went bad for some reason. No, no, there was there was some good stuff that was caught very organically on our our first take, and redoing it is kind of a last option for me. So I'm going to try my best to make it listenable. I want to maintain the energy we had in the first take. So if at all possible, I'm going to do that. Anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there so everybody knew that it's not your computer and or iPod and or stereo and there is a small whine on her track. And hopefully I'm going to make that as uh, marginal as possible. But I just wanted to make you aware and put a disclaimer out there because I want this to be as uh, pro as possible. So there you go. All right, let's get to it. Okay, so now I'm joined again by the incomparable Denise Seibert. Yeah, I'm... uh, She's here. Say hi, Denise. Hey, everybody. So she's back. We're going to cover Wolverine number two. So um, why don't you just very quickly, to the best of your memory, give us a very, very short summary to Wolverine number one. So Wolverine number one, you know, he's kind of out doing his uh, shopping right? in uh, New York City. Now, the question is, is he really shopping or is he trolling for women? That's the question at hand. <laughs> this summary just got so not that short. <laughs> and uh, basically, he runs across a strange man blasting uh, an interesting weapon and incinerating people to a skeleton-like structure. Right. Uh, so Wolverine kind of has to take him out, and in the process of that, the guy's kid picks up this uh, interesting weapon and runs off with it, and we're sort of left with Wolverine wondering, is he going to have to take out the kid, or is the kid possessed? Okay, that'll work. All right, so Wolverine number two is written by Paul Cornell, pencils by Alan Davis, 
inks by Mark Farmers by Matt Hollingsworth. VCs Corey Pettit does the letters. And then Davis, Farmer, and Hollingsworth did the cover. So on this cover, we have Wolverine claws extended, attacking the child, the child shooting the gun at him. I like this minor detail of the gun blast hitting the edge of Wolverine's cow and the little fins on his head. I do too, because that's the part that needs a little trimming. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, um, but yeah, uh, there's some pretty neat covers. Not quite as awe-inspiring as the first one, I didn't think, but it, it's a good, it kind of cuts right to the chase of what the issue is going to be about and kind of the primary conflict of the issue. So I think it's a pretty solid cover. What do you think? I, I do agree with that. I think the first cover was a, it was more a... Almost like a poster. Yes. And this one is very much sort of like, hey, this is where we left off, and this is where we're about to start up. Right. And plus, it poses the question, the question right out the gate, is Wolverine going to attack this child? Right. And, and of course, it leads you to the question of, is this child going to attack Wolverine? <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> All right. So, then... We start off at the 50th Street Depot. Ooh. <laughs> and we, it says, we've got a lot of new voices here, and we have drug dealers and cops hanging out together, making some kind of plan, and it appears that they are possessed by something. This one threw me off a little bit. I okay. had to read the page twice to figure out what was sort of going on. Right. Okay. Well, and obviously, they're talking about the way the different voices inflect and the way they can use them with their perspective, um, I guess, uniforms, and the, the gangster uniform and the and the cop uniform. Then a guy shows up with what looks like a bunch of pizza. Well, yeah, Troubles has to eat, too. Right. And so he's like, what are the cops doing here? And they decide they can't explain it, so he drops the pizza for his gun. And they all waste him. Cops and gangsters unite. I really love the art on that page, too. I do, too. The, fa- the Kind of the the sly, evil, but calm grins they all have. It's just like, all right, well, business is shooting people. Well, and it's very, as the viewer, it it's also a very uncomfortable. <laughs> You're getting shot at. Right, yeah. but it's, it's, the, it's sort of the guy who's being shot's viewpoint. So... You get that sense of, well, he kind of probably pooped in his pants. Right. Anyway, we cut to our first full-page full spread, and the kid is attacking Wolverine. Uh, remember, Wolverine had found the kid in the alley and was going to try to approach him calmly. But we start off with this hunting season, part two of four, and the kid's trying to disintegrate Wolverine, and he's diving away from the kid in a cloud of green-yellow smoke. I think it's interesting. You're... Uh your smoke color again for the people who are listening in jason's got the physical comic book and i've got it on the ipad and i'm still amazed while the colors on the uh, electronic gizmos throughout this comic are really intense on the ipad there's still something about the paper that just the colors on it just seem richer and more realistic well, yours looks more radioactive, and mine looks more dynamic, if, yes. that, if that makes any sense. So, anyway, uh love to hear from any other readers if they have a preference on digital versus print. So, let's take a vote. In fact, let's do this. Uh, on the Facebook page, let's pose the question, 
If you like the paper, like us. If you prefer digital, leave a comment as to why. <laughs> like us either way. Well, that's true, too. <laughs> but I'm just saying. Yeah, it would be interesting to know. It's specifically referring to color work. Yes. I mean, there's there's other issues that go into digital versus print. But I want to try to kind of, I think people have kind of gone over the collector question enough. So in specific regard to colors, I'd, I'd like to hear some thoughts. If anybody would be inclined to oblige. Oh, they'll be inclined. <laughs> we'll see. We switch over to what I thought was a very odd interlude. Um, the Wolverine runs out of the alley. He's looking for the kid, and no one's answering him. And one homeless guy answers him. <laughs> so I have to say something about this homeless okay. guy. Yeah. I, I had to do a double take and make sure I was reading Wolverine and not Walking Dead. Because <laughs> this homeless guy looks like a zombie. He looks a little bit like a zombie. His eyes are very deep set, and he's missing some teeth. Um, His fingernails are... Grimy, yeah. yeah. But. So, anyway, he says that the kid got in a mail van and took off like a bat out of hell in, in cute meatloaf songs. He says, or whatever. Oh, whatever. <laughs> you know, sorry I didn't get the license plate number. So it's funny, he's the only one that wants to help Wolverine, but he, he has to be sure that he cops an attitude while he does it. Well, then he's got to, you know, hey, you want more information? Buy my jar of stuff. Yes, his jar of crap. Um, his factory's in the back (laughs) (laughs) rear door delivery only (laughs) anyway I thought thought this part was weird too because then Lorraine's like a mail van why a mail van like what the hell is this guy gonna know like because it was there. The kid found it. Like, I don't, it's weird that Wolverine questioned that and well, questioned it so vehemently. Well, I mean, the guy does kind of look scholarly. Maybe, you know. <laughs> or maybe the, the jar of stuff gives him some ESP. Well, no, I if I ran out in the, like, into a crowd and I said, you may see where he went. And someone said, got in a moving truck. I mean, well, crap. Okay, I got to find a moving truck. I wouldn't be like, what do you mean a moving truck? And like, shake the guy down. I would take his answer at face value. But he's Wolverine. Uh, it's, it's dumb. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, so he says he offers some curds for protein. Anyway, Wolverine, he feels nice and charitable, so he gives him a dollar for, okay, let's for his just protein stop. shake. Let's just stop with the whole dollar for the protein shake. Okay. Okay, so you're Wolverine. You're wearing a skin-tight yellow and blue leotard. Uh-huh. Where do you put your wallet? He has pouches. Is, is this version of his costume? Yeah, he's got pouches on his belt. So his utility belt, is that, you know, on his way out the door? Let me make sure I click the wallet button. <laughs> Yeah, well, no, he, he stuffed some cash in there and his house keys. And so he can pay for a taxi? Because you never know when you're going to need a little bit of cash to buy a jar of crap. <laughs> I just, it, that and that dollar bill is pretty damn straight, too. <laughs> yeah, it's very crisp. <laughs> yes. Just making so sure. It wasn't, he hasn't, Wolverine very carefully folds and places his dollar bills in his pouches. Are we sure, his pouches, are we sure? Yes. Is that a euphemism? His pouches? I don't think so. But uh, we get the guy with some more uh, zombie fingernails, a close-up on his fingernails. Um, so anyway, Wolverine buys the jar, and then the homeless guy gets nervous. He's like, what do you want the kid for? He's some kind of supervillain? 
And Wolverine, I love how you can this visibly see the fumes coming out of the jar. Yeah. And I actually really like this panel of Wolverine's face and his nose, his nostrils kind of soaking in the excrement. Um, and I again like his scruff. Yeah. And da- uh, Davis's art is still, it's really cool in this issue as well. I, I, I like the face he's making because it's sort of like, I don't want to hurt this guy's feelings. Right. But this stuff smells like shit. <laughs> And then he drinks it. Oh, I like how he talks about the kid smelling sick as he's sniffing the stuff. Uh, that was a cool, like, parallel. So I have to ask, because, again, my Wolverine knowledge is very limited as far as only the movies and obviously right. the cartoon. So is Wolverine, like, cat, part cat-like? Does he have this no. extraordinary sense of smell? He does have heightened animal-like senses, yes. So when it rains, he can smell for miles away. Uh, sure. Okay. I don't know if he was someone should use that in the story. I don't think anyone really has. And team up with Storm. That'd be awesome. Just oh, saying. yeah. We lost the scent. Storm. Make right. it rain. Make it rain. <laughs> Make it rain, bitches. <laughs> <All right>. um, <laughs> anyway, he talks about how there's so many scents in the air. So he's got to cleanse his palate. So that's why he's smelling the crap. But then you're right. He drinks it. And the guy's like, oh, I guess that'll be okay. But really, you're just supposed to rub it on your chest. I really like this panel, kind of, of the view of the gun. We get all kinds of, like, visual effects and little squares and sci-fi stuff. And the target's walking on the homeless guy, which I thought was interesting. Because Wolverine's kind of lit up, but obviously there's little arrows, like, all around the homeless guy. So that's where where the target is locked. Well, now, I'm going to bring something up when we get to the next page. About this page. Okay. Because I, I found something intriguing. So anyway, you see the kid on a on a construction scaffolding, and I don't know what's he doing here with the handkerchief. So it, I had to read this page twice, but basically he's using the handkerchief to determine which way the wind is blowing. Oh, he is like a golfer throwing grass. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Now what's intriguing is where'd the handkerchief go when he's done with it? Oh, it floats off into the air, like uh, when you let a balloon go. I did think it's interesting that it's so windy that the laser beam can't shoot right. And we're not talking about like a little air rifle. <laughs> no. It seems like the wind would not affect this gun so much, but I guess it does. Maybe maybe because it's just a kid holding the gun. It's kind of bulky. Maybe it catches the wind and he can't hold it steady in the wind. I don't, I don't feel like the blast would be affected that much. So I'm assuming it's a user thing. Well, I... I will admit, this part to me seemed hokey. See, I thought the homeless guy thing seemed hokey, but, but you're hokey now. So, so we're, we have two hokey moments at least. Yeah. Um, I think it's also kind of funny and kind of cartoonish. It's kind of Looney Tunish that the kid is running around on like construction beams. Yes. yes. Very much like I'm expecting Bugs Bunny or Wiley E. Coyote to run out. Ah, uh, and the acne brick to come falling right. down. So then he goes to another area of the, the construction site and he walks on two guys buying newspapers in a newspaper stand and he disintegrates one and Wolverine hears people screaming and runs towards them. So before we move on to that panel, one of the things I found interesting is on the panel that that has, you know, where they're locking in on the two guys buying newspapers. Right. Um, they're all sort of, they're blacked out. They're right. sort of silhouetted. But on the panel before that, you can actually see 
kind of a little bit more detail as far as Wolverine and the homeless guy, but Wolverine has these little glowing dots that nobody else has. I'm thinking that has something to do with the action gene. Yeah, it took me a while to figure that out too because the but the homeless guy has I all really these green like, arrows and yes. so do what? the jars of poop. <laughs> He's like, I gotta sh- I gotta blow up the shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm just doing everybody a favor. Because <laughs> even Wolverine's jar of stuff has right. a little glowy dot That's on it. That's true. Well, I'm wondering then if his DNA tracking, which only further. Interesting. Uh, solidifies my theory that it's not protein shake at all, but just poop. <laughs> <laughs> because then it would match the genetic structure of the homeless guy. That's true. And it's his excrement. His <laughs> yeah. But I do think, I do, uh, yeah, I, I definitely, I like that panel a lot. I do think the dots have something to do with mutant, either with Wolverine being a mutant in general, or specifically something about his healing factor is showing up in the scope of the gun. I thought that was really cool. Um, and I like the difference in the in the shading because maybe the home maybe there's more or less light on here and the gun is compensating. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the booth, you can They're see the background away. very clear, but the guys are like blacked out. So maybe the light is like casting shadow on them. They're backlit. Right. Okay. So that's kind of the way I saw that. Um, anyway, Wolverine runs over and we see a panicked crowd. And the cop's like, everyone out. And Wolverine's like, I'm an Avenger. And the cop says, I don't care. Then, yeah. he, then he gets disintegrated. So it cracks me up that, and maybe it's just because I'm new to Wolverine, but he kind of plays whatever card he wants to throw out there. <laughs> I'm an Avenger. I'm an X-Men. I'm no, an Avenger. Played, he played the Avenger card last time, too. They? Well, he did, but then he also played an X-Men card. Did he? Yeah, I think so. I think when he okay. was talking to the kid, he explained that he was a mutant X-Men. That's right. He did. Okay. But that was that was just trying to reassure the kid. Right. But this one, he's actually like, this is twice in as many issues. So, he's actually playing the Avenger card as a source of authority. Well, and he's, he's playing the Avenger card to the cops, which is interesting. Are, are X-Men in this? X-Men are outlaws, in a way. They're not government sanctioned in any form, whereas the Avengers are. The Avengers actually have clout with law enforcement. The X-Men do not. So it's political BS. Well, he's, he's cutting through the red tape. Uh-huh. Snip, snip. <laughs> so anyway, the cop uh, gets disintegrated. And Wolverine's looking around, and he sees the kid. The kid's moved up higher. And the kid says, we didn't get as long as we wanted, but we planned for something like this. Time to experiment. So he switches the, the firing mechanism on the gun. And he shoots Wolverine in the arm with a pink ray. And then he shoots him in the side with a blue ray. Not to be confused with movies. Um, and Wolverine's arm from the pink ray gets like all It's uh, gross. mangled. Yeah, almost like a bunch of tumors. and. I well, I, I will admit, the way this is drawn uh, and sort of the... Not only the way it's drawn, but the way it's laid out. You've got a smaller square, then it gets a little bit bigger, and then you finally get to the, the third one, and it's a little bit bigger. It's sort of like, okay, so this is hot. This would be like sticking your hand in a pilot light. Right. This one is you sticking your hand in an electric socket, <laughs> and this one's just going to hurt like hell. Right. So the last one will say he got shot by a very precise beam, very small, very focused, and gets shot through the shoulder. Yeah, but they call it a bullet. Well, he does. True. So we don't know for sure. 
But he runs under to get some cover. His arm's already healed. But he says, but the bullet's still in there, damn it. And you see what a puncture wound is. Something is lodged in his arm. He calls it a bullet because that's the most familiar term to him. Who knows what it actually is. Well, and it's also, it's a very small wound to right. be, to, for, to be a, a bullet that we would assume to be. Right. So then Wolverine continues to chase the kid. The kid sees the elevator light come on. Wolverine's taking up the elevator. So the kid shoots down through the elevator. Wolverine looks very surprised. I love that panel. He's like, whoa! (laughs) (laughs) Then he dives out. We get our first nick. And this one messed me up for a second. What's your artistic take on the the direction? Because it looks like he's falling head first and then snicks his claws into a bar above him. Or are we seeing that from below? And he snicked the bar on the way down. How did you take that? I took it the same way you took it, which is he's, in fact... So he somehow contorts himself in the air. Yes, in fact, part of me feels like, so the beam that he's standing on when... He jumps out of the elevator. Yeah. Or falls out of the elevator. See, I kind of took it as he fell, but the beam he's standing on is the beam he hooks his claws up into. Okay. But... All right, well, he snicks... Here's the reason I thought maybe we were seeing it from upside down. And he snicks with his left hand, and he goes through the bar. And then I can almost see where they're saying, like, he, like, spun himself around the bar and hurled himself back upwards. Well, now, I will say they've got, you know, swoosh marks to kind of give you this idea that I I almost feel like it's Mount when you... uh, for those of you who have done the rock wall climbing, you know, you hang and you kind of swing yourself to give you leverage up to the next hook and I kind of feel like that's what they're trying to convey is that you know he grabbed one swung himself up grabbed another one and now he's swinging back up again hence why one hand is down and one hand is up right so we get to a panel and it's pretty awesome Um, we see Wolverine hanging from the bar and like wait kid the kid's got the gun trained on him I love Wolverine's face in this panel and the next one Uh, Davis did a really good job um and he pulls both his hands up. And he's like, you're sick. You smell sick. <laughs> and then we, <laughs> and we see Wolverine kind of hanging off. And so we see the kid is, is pointing the gun at Wolverine. And Wolverine kind of explains, I know you're not responsible. <laughs> and the kid's like, why'd you drink that weird stuff? <laughs> I love that. And Wolverine's like, what? Like he, Wolverine's obviously like thrown off his game by this weird random question. He goes, it looked nasty. <laughs> <laughs> I love again another awesome facial expression by Davis. And Wolverine's like, well, yeah, it was disgusting. Tasted <laughs> full of germs and fungi and such. More proof than his poop. <laughs> Can't hurt me, though. Might as well try it. And the kid's like, right, you can heal from things like that, too. I've been learning a lot about you. Okay, I love Wolverine's response to that. It's a very smart ass. It's so like, smart ass. You've been learning a lot about me. What? Duck into the library on the way here? And he goes, I might have a phone. phone? <laughs> we are in the day and age of smartphones where right. you can Google, Google anything. Google Wolverine. You can see we factors all on Wikipedia. Oh, the gun has, to, has a Surrey. No, you're joking, but I think that's what he's referring to. I think the gun's giving him information. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right on. All so right. maybe maybe the gun is Surrey. Maybe so. So so more more evidence of Apple taking over the world via right. Skynet. Um 
But then Wolverine asks a cool question. He goes, are you going to stop pretending it's the kid doing this? Who am I talking to? And I just want to note, this is very much, uh, what's it, is it is Chekhov's gun? You know what I'm talking about? Maybe it's not Chekhov. It's not Smirnov. Who are you talking about? All right, there's so- Smirnov's gun. Ah, oh, man, my I'm complete brain fart. All right, there's a movie, or maybe it's a, no, it's a, it's a story. It's a piece of literature. There's a character, and in the book, it mentions a gun. And then, just kind of casually. And then at the end of the book, the gun is used to resolve the story. So it's basically a literary device, and it's called something's gun, a, a Russian guy's name, whatever the character was. It basically says that when stuff is brought attention to in a story, it's never inconsequential, that it always kind of comes back. So I just want to point out, you see all the tools are very much highlighted in this ah. frame. So just remember that we were noticing and very much meant to notice the tools laying around, okay? It's an example of the Russian gun. Well, it, and it does crack me up how Wolverine is hanging from that panel as well. Like, he's but not he, really hanging. He doesn't look... And even from the... As soon as he got up there, like, when the close-up of his face, he looks like he's hanging. But from the minute we see his full body, he doesn't really look like he's hanging to me. He's, like, in a push-up he was, position. He looks like he's laying, laying on his stomach. Yeah. Yeah. And just happens to be hanging from a bar. So I'm not sure. I don't really get the sense that he's going to fall. I get the sense no. that he's perfectly okay. I get the sense somebody put a ledge out there for him to stand on. Right, right. Like he's got his toes on something. Uh-huh. Yeah. But here, he doesn't. He, it's like he's standing on the ground, just kind of looking over a ledge, yeah, talking like he's, to the he, kid. Not like he's hanging <laughs> precariously. Um, that part of the art's a little strange. Um the kid talks about how strange Wolverine is. He says, but you he hasn't seen the bedazzled ordinary. shirts yet. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> he says, but you you pretend you're ordinary. It's as if you're in disguise, too. Well, he know the kid's not going to pull off Wolverine anymore. He knows that Wolverine knows he's not what he seems. And again, another really cool face, I thought. I just... Davis is just really nailing Wolverine's facial expressions for me. Really digging it. So as much as the weird dynamic of him hanging, not hanging off the beam, the art is overall really good. And so Wolverine talks about, hello, my control, but I'll bet the real Alex is in there somewhere. He looked like a fighter to me. So he's kind of trying to break through, kind of using an old like psychology trick, trying to find the kid inside the kid. And the kid, this is an interesting uh, point that with the being talking to Wolverine. He says, you were okay with killing the kid's dad. You don't really want to hurt Alex. That's interesting, too. Wolverine, is, he's crawling up now, and he says, no, I don't want to hurt him, and I was not okay with killing his dad. And the kid kind of psychoanalyzes Wolverine with him. He goes, that's you trying to find the anger you need, correct? The anger you need to kill a child? Wolverine's like, you don't know anything about me. I'm in control of who I am and what I do, which is, if you know anything about Wolverine's past, it's kind of him convincing himself as well as the kid. Right. And there's lots of times where he hasn't been in control. Well, and but, I, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I love this panel because it starts out yes. with him a little bit further, then a little bit closer, and then really zoomed in on him. So you get to see he's... He's emotionally going through something right now. The subtle changes in his expression are really cool. 
Because he's very like angry, and then he kind of frowns, and he just kind of grits his teeth in determination. So he's angry, even maybe a little bit scared when he talks about being in control. Then he kind of frowns and says, if I kill anybody today, understand this. Then he kind of gets determined. He says, it won't be an anger. And the kid's like, yeah, we believe you. <laughs> Which means I got to hurry. And, but then Wolverine, like I said, Schrodinger, yeah. the gun thing, the Russian gun, he throws a wrench at the gun and knocks it out. And the kid's like, no, I want to point out he doesn't immediately break his bond. No. So we have talked about issue one that maybe being in contact with the gun made them under control. But here we have the kid who loses the gun and he still is being controlled. And also in that first scene, the, the gangsters and the cops, there was no, this gun wasn't around. I, I did. I picked up on that too. That you know, theory number one was out the window. Right. So something else is going on here. Yeah. And the kid says, well, perhaps we'll get to talk again. And he jumps off the building. And I love how the kid's smiling as he falls. And Wolverine's like, no! Yeah, that that was a little creepy to me. Because obviously they're in control and don't give a rat's ass who they take down. Right. Well, he'll just jump to somebody else. Right. Just like he jumped from the dad to the kid. Whoever's in control will just, th- this body means nothing to him. Right. And Wolverine grabs the kid's legs that are falling, and the kid kind of winks at Wolverine. It says, this is a whole different way of thinking. Well, and, and you know, the kid says, so interesting. Right. So the kid's still analyzing Wolverine as right. they're tumbling how many umpty right. So maybe the series not in the gun, but in the mind of this being or whatever. Um, and we, we get a really cool panel of Wolverine flipping over, and we know that he's going to land on his back. And then we see... A bunch of homeless people being just completely horrified. Those homeless people need manicures. Yes. Well, yeah. Then we see like another another scene of Wolverine kind of regaining his vision from a blackout. Because the fall definitely crushed him, knocked him out. And Wolverine wakes up in a panic. Is he okay? Is he okay? Kid. And he sees a kid on a stretcher as he jumps off his stretcher. And the kid's out of it completely. He's like, what happened? I don't remember anything after my dad was was going to fight her again, and you, you, and then he realizes that Wolverine killed his dad. He's like you, and he just starts bawling, and Wolverine just looks crushed, like his spirit's just broken. And that's a great panel again. It's an awesome panel. It's like damn an art of perdition, which little old school talk for Wolverine, but um. Yeah, I was gonna say, where did that come from? <laughs> anyway, someone walks up. I I saw. And it's the, the homeless guy with the jars of shit. <laughs> and, um, that guy just picked up that gun. And Wolverine's like, what guy? And then the homeless guy gets uh, disintegrated. I will say that panel shocked me. You think so? Why? How's that? Well, you know, the guy's talking and, you know, th- maybe it's because of the way it was set up and the homeless guy jawjacking with Wolverine and selling him a jar of shit that this guy might be his sidekick for another episode or, or oh, so. Okay. And then he just gets blown to smithereens. It's right. like... Whoa! <laughs> I was expecting the homeless guy to at least sell him another jar. I do have, I have one more. Uh, this is my podcast, so I get to be nitpicky if I want. So I have a nitpicky bone with the art here. All right. Okay. Homeless guy's missing some teeth. Uh, he gets disintegrated. His skeleton has all the teeth. <laughs> I did not notice that. Yeah. 
So that, that was kind of funny. It kind of, kind of ticked me out of the scene for just a second. But um, then we see a nice mustachioed mailman. And he so, shoots, wait, he's going to shoot at Wolverine. How do we know he's the mailman? Yeah, because they say later, and I guess you can see on his hat, he's got a little eagle, the Postal Service eagle on his hat. But I thought male people wore blue. I don't know. Maybe he's off duty. I mean, he delivers mail in the middle of the night. Well, obviously that mailman. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's off duty. He was at a bar. that The kid stole his mail truck while he wasn't looking. And somehow the gun found him. Well, or he walked up to it. Or the, or the, the band controlled him and knew where the gun was. Yeah. But then before he can shoot Wolverine, we got to, I got this. Who the hell is this right, guy? This is Nick Fury Jr. I will educate you a little bit. Thank you. Um, I have a very mixed feelings about Nick Fury Jr. Okay, Nick Fury is the the director of Shield, which is kind of the Marvel Universe's like super espionage unit. So, does he have superpowers? Because it looks like he's flying. Hey, Nick Fury does not. And no, in this one, he's, he's hanging on a rope from the the hover car. Okay, so that that threw me. It almost looked right. like car was a balloon and he was keeping it grounded (laughs) right no anyway so nick fury is this kind of just badass gruff guy he used i don't remember if it was captain america's formula or something like some version of that captain the super serum the super soldier serum was destroyed i think in an attempt to recreate it they gave some to nick fury and it didn't give him superpowers but it made him age slower so Nick Fury was this guy that was in World War II. He was in charge of the Howling Commandos. I mean, he either formed or got put in charge of S.H.I.E.L.D. And he disappeared a while back. Okay, now, not to confuse you too much, but there's a separate line that came out in the late 90s of Marvel called the Ultimate Universe. Okay. And basically, instead of re... They wanted to kind of reboot some of the characters to get new readers... They didn't want to destroy all the previous Marvel continuity. So basically what they did is they created an alternate universe called the Ultimate Verse. They basically started all the characters over and gave them contemporary origins. Kind of like when you watch the comic book movies now, it's kind of the same thing. Or like, I, And they give Spider-Man the origin, but it's not in the 60s, it's today. Actually, it kind of reminds me more of uh, the new Star Trek uh, they sort of started the series over, but they added a twist to it so right. that it would go in a so different path. So the characters path. are the same, exactly. but everything's a little bit different. So anyway, in the Ultimate Universe, kind of to be more modern and to have more different... Because in the 60s, your characters weren't super diverse. You had a few, and comics was actually, I think, at the forefront of diversity, and that's a thing for another podcast. But um, anyway, in the Ultimate Universe, they decided to make Nick Fury African-American, and this was his look. Well, when they started doing the movies, they borrowed as much from the Ultimate Universe as they did from the regular universe from okay. the movies. And they decided to make Samuel L. Jackson Nick Fury. They used the Ultimate design of Nick Fury to do that. Well, he was really popular in the movies, in part because he's Samuel L. Jackson, he's right. a badass, and in part because he's a cool character. And fans really, had, you know, liked it and enjoyed seeing him on screen as Nick Fury. So in the Marvel Universe, since the regular Nick Fury has been disappearing for a while, in some wacky, cockamamie explanation, Nick Fury's son, Nick Fury Jr., was somehow turned black. <laughs> and I didn't actually... I, 
I only kind of skimmed it in the comic shop. It wasn't a, a series I wasn't reading at the time. So I don't completely understand it, and I, I, I meant to Wikipedia before we started, and I forgot. But, um, anyway, it's some kind of cockamamie story. We now have the, the regular Nick Fury, who looks like this in the Ultimate Universe, and now Nick Fury Jr., who has taken his dad's place at S.H.I.E.L.D., looks like it in the regular universe. So the fans that seen the movie would recognize the character. Basically is why they did that. Okay. So, like I said, kind of mixed feelings. Like, I'd rather just kind of see Nick Fury. But this guy's he could be cool, too. I haven't read enough of, of him to have a solid opinion. But anyway, he seems pretty cool. He looks cool, anyway. He It threw me off. You know, like I said, my comic book lore is slightly limited. So when I right. got to this panel, I thought, who stole Captain America's uniform? Actually, why did you think that was Captain America's uniform? Did you know he wore it briefly? I That's think a pretty so. recent development. Is it? Yeah. Oh, I don't know why, but that was the first thing that popped into my head is okay. who's sorting through Captain America's well, laundry? Well, see, he wore it. We quit being Captain America. It, uh, Captain America was killed. He came back to life. And while he was dead, his partner, Bucky, who came back to life. <laughs> Are they zombies? No, no. Okay. Was Captain America, and he didn't want to take that back. He thought Bucky was doing a good job, so he decided to just be a secret agent, and this is the uniform he wore. And so now S.H.I.E.L.D. has kind of adopted it for their higher-ups. And so that's why Nick Fury Jr. is wearing it. Gotcha. But it's interesting because in the new Captain America movie that comes out later this year, right? Or is it next year? I don't know. I don't remember. But the new uniform for the movie is kind of a combo of this and the classic Captain America uniform. It may be the star on the chest is what... and, And the three little stripes. Right. But whatever reason, yeah, that was my right. Somebody's dry cleaning got mixed up. Right on. So anyway, uh, back to our story. We see Wolverine's going to die from the gun, and we learn something new: the gun flies off. Yeah, this threw me because my first thought was because I didn't know much about Nick. My initial thought was because I also thought he was hanging on to a, uh, you know, keeping the car from floating away and flying. <laughs> Right. I thought he used some sort of power to pull the gun towards him. Oh. But then I re- then it was weird because he said the car's on it, and it's like you mean the car that was hanging from a string. So. <laughs> I think it's weird that your automatic assumption with a, a guy hanging from a rope on a car was that the guy had a balloon car. <laughs> hey, I watched one twenty Macy's Day Parades. <laughs> Definitely. I'm used to Spongebob Squarepants hanging from a couple ropes. Right. So anyway, I think it's interesting that the car is tracking it. And How is the car tracking oh, it? Some shield technology, I'm sure. So Nick Fury asks what's going on, and <laughs> says, I have no idea, Nick Fury, agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay, so again, not the comic book. I think he's just being overly official to get on his nerves. I thought it was funny. Well, and... But see, it but that would also be the title of his comic back when he had one, which this character never did. But Nick Fury, the old Nick Fury, used to have a, a comic called Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes, but as this sort of genre, comic book virgin, whatever you want to call me, right. uh, I sort of felt like, well, this was a cheesy way to introduce a title. I, it may have been, that may have been part of it, but I think also Wolverine's just being a smartass. 
I, but I, that's my pet peeve when it comes to movies when, you know, the opening scene is, you know, someone's phone rings and they're like, hey, Christy, my best friend since kindergarten. You wouldn't have hated comics in the 70s. They, they let characters refer to themselves as a third person just so readers would know who they were. Seriously? Like, I, Storm, will not let you buy the X-Men. Colossus will hit you really hard. Yeah, anyway. that would drive me nuts. Anyway, Nick Fury apparently is looking at his watch. I'm not really sure what... Oh, no, he's making the car land. That's what he's doing. He's typing on his wrist control. And he goes, you always going to call me that? Of course. And Wolverine's like... He basically explains that they're, the cops are arresting this guy and they're going to find fingerprints. Which, okay. Why is he going to assume the cops are going to find this gun before they do? That's what I thought was curious. He's like, their prints are on the gun. Are you mean the gun that just flew away? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even think about that. Right. So their fingerprints ain't on Jack. Anyway, he's basically. I think it's just the way of exposition for Wolverine to explain to Nick Fury that the guys were mind controlled. Yeah. It's a little bit awkward and doesn't really quite uh, line up, but. Then we get a nice scene of Wolverine. I don't. No, Nick Fury's eyeball in this scene is kind of weird. Well, they also are talking about body odor and um, their regime, grooming regime. (laughs) Do you have a grooming regime? And he says, well, moving on, what's that thing in your shoulder? It's still glowing, apparently. the the topic. Right. He goes, evidence, we need to deal with it under controlled conditions. So basically, we need to get to a lab. Yeah, but wait, okay, so here's my deal. Under controlled conditions, is he afraid the worm's going to come out of it? And I think he doesn't everybody? know what's going to come out, and he doesn't want to do it in public in case it's something bad. Or maybe it blows his arm up, and it's okay for him, because it'll grow back, but it's not okay for everybody around him. I don't know. Yeah, that was weird to me, the whole controlled conditions. I think I it was know, just a way of being like, we need to move on to the next scene. I thought it made sense. I thought it was a way of setting up that he and Nick Fury are going to go somewhere and experiment on his arm. Now, so, you know, in the panel before that, so it's nighttime, and the only red glow is coming from the ambulance and what looks like a fire truck. Yeah, and the police car. Right. So, in the very next page, you've got them sort of having their jaw jack about who smells like what. Right. And it's intriguing that all of a sudden, there's now this slightly red glow in the beginning, and it's just getting brighter and brighter and brighter. Well, that's either foreshadowing in the scene to come or it's just more siren lights yeah I don't think it's more siren lights okay anyway Nick Fury gets his turn to, to be funny and he goes okay so with you being like the Paul McCartney of supers which of your mini bands do you want in on this <laughs> this was awkward to me alright well you have to understand that Wolverine is like the most overexposed person in comics because he's like a best selling character he's on like Three X-Men team, two Avengers teams. I mean, he's all over the place. So is Yoko Ono. That's why all my podcast episodes are so long. Because he's in so many books every week. (laughs) So Wolverine's sort of like the comic book slut. Kind of, yeah. He's just around. Right. Claws out. Ready to go. He's his own cougar. (laughs) Anyway, um... If he says knowing Paul as I do, like Nick Fury's like, oh, sure you do. But Wolverine was with this healing factory. He's been around a long time. He actually could have run into Paul McCartney back in the 60s. 
But he says he's more like George. I thought it was weird. I think that's Paul Cornell's way of saying this is my favorite Beatle. I don't really know if it makes any application to the story at all. And I'm not even sure I agree with it. Because George is kind of like the guy that hung out in the background and got stuff done and didn't want the celebrity. And yeah, like, but okay. But Wolverine's never in the background. He may not want to be noticed, but he's at the front of like every team. Well, okay, but he's at the front, but and not to use the movies as a good example, but that's the only thing I have to go off of when it comes to Wolverine. Wolverine did in all of the movies as much as he did not as much as he was a part of the movies he He's did always not reluctant. yeah he he wasn't he was more happy being at a bar and someone running up to him okay you're our last resort and then him <laughs> running to save the day right he didn't want to be the first one out there to save the day okay I, I guess I can see that a little bit anyway basically he says he's not going to call any of his teams he wants to do it on his own because... He's an attention whore. Well, no, we don't find out why. We get interrupted by some glowing bubbles. It's like, oh, bubbles. okay, now and we get a full page, last page. I love how Nick Fury is, like, watching The Office on his iPhone or something on his wrist. Like, he's not just... He's been on... He can't get off that thing. He's like a teenager on a date. Yeah. With, with an, like, when you see two kids sitting Facebook. across... Yeah, just texting and not even talking to each other and that's Nick Fury he's status. a bad bad iPhone date yeah his status update just met right. up with Wolverine right. I called him no, no. Paul he thinks he's George <laughs> no. just met at Wolverine <laughs> and hashtag NYC <laughs> so he's completely oblivious but Wolverine turns around and sees a ginormous baby <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to laugh my ass off. That is a ginormous child okay. wearing a toga. Yes. All right. So this is a watcher. Oh, Watchers so you are, know what this is. Oh, yeah, yeah. They've been in comic marvels for a long time. Okay. So right. so, so the watchers are beings that there's one there's stationed throughout the universe. One is stationed on the moon. Hang on. So watchers are on the moon. Well, there's one on the moon that watches Earth, and they're stationed throughout the universe. And basically, they just observe. <laughs> they have a very strict code not to interfere. That's why they're called the watchers. They basically just kind of record the history of the universe and monitor the big events. And only in a couple of times in Marvel history have they actually stepped in and done anything. I was going to say, if they're not supposed to do anything... Um, Wolverine is facing a giant baby. Right. Well, he, that's why he knows it's in big trouble because the Watchers only show up when something really big or world-threatening is about to happen. So do you think these Watchers are the ones controlling the gun? I don't think so. Just based on what I know, that would be a really big twist if they were. But I don't think so. And I don't think they have the ability to jump into people. Okay. That would, that would be a new thing. So basically, the it, this isn't a... Uh, so not knowing comic book lore to right. me i felt like oh this is the new nemesis right okay probably not now that wouldn't be an interesting twist i think it's interesting though because usually they're physical physical as in like they're actually there but it almost appears like wolverine's the only person that can see him like the cops are still interviewing the homeless people nick fury like i said is updating his facebook status <laughs> um and wolverine is like like it was bright enough that it completely turned him around. 
Now, granted, Nick Fury has an eye patch. Maybe the dots were on that side, or the light, or whatever. But I don't know. It just Wolverine's the only one that's noticed him. So either no one's looked up yet in the background, or or he's invisible to everybody but Wolverine. So that's very compelling to me to see where that goes. I I am interested in uh, seeing where this goes because this is drawn in a slightly menacing way. I mean, I joke right. that it's a giant baby. Well, his eyes are glowing and there's lots of shadow on his face. And he's got these weird orbs floating around his head. Energy. And Wolverine does have this attack stance. Right. You know, he's he's it's poised as if he's ready to just pounce. Right. Now, what's intriguing is the stance of the ginormous baby. He's, he's just he's just hanging out. Well, he's just hanging out, but he's kind of, I mean, if he had a pair of suspenders, his thumbs <laughs> would be through it. And, you know, kind of like your grandpa who right. comes to visit and you go out on a date and he's out there waiting when you get home. Um, yeah, I went okay. there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a completely foreign experience to me. <laughs> But, you know, whatever happened for you, it's fine. Yeah, okay. <laughs> anyway, so next is mass destruction. Then we get a, a preview or a look at the alternate cover, which was uh, by Mike Diodato and Rain Moreno. I thought that was a really sweet cover. I think, you know, last time I was, I thought the regular cover was the best. I think I might like this one a little bit more than the one we got. I will say that this cover, this alternate cover is... Um it's moving just right. because there's a, a lot of destruction in the background. Wolverine obviously has been uh, in some sort of altercation. Right. And he appears to be really pissed. Yeah. So I thought it was really cool. I w- it, it is really cool. I'm glad they included a picture of it in here. All right. Well, so that's issue number two. Um, what are your overall thoughts? Overall, so comparatively, so the first book. Let's let's kind of go over my first initial thoughts with the first book. I know last time I said, you know, I was really intrigued to see what happened to the kid. I could really care less about Wolverine. Um, But the the way this one ended, it's a toss-up. It's, uh, you know, the kid's obviously okay now. Right. So well, besides being completely traumatized by watching his dad get slashed, right? But I'm sort of on the fence with this one because, okay. you know, my initial concern for the kid is gone. He's, you know, besides being traumatized, for the most part, he's okay. Right. Whatever had possessed him is gone now. Right. Now we're left with this feeling of. Only Wolverine can see the ginormous baby. Um, <laughs> this so, is not the dancing baby. Well, that's true. But, he, you know, we don't know if he's got a diaper under that toga. You never know. Right. So the ginormous baby intrigues me because he's got a big head. He's got a toga. He's got a shield. I don't really know why he's here. And the fact that nobody else seems to see him, I don't, is intriguing to me. So, I think the first issue left me wondering a little bit more about the second. Whereas this one leaves me with a sort of one eyebrow raised for the third. But I'm not, 
so intrigued. Okay. As the first time. If that makes any sense whatsoever, I think I just completely word vomited on everything. Well, no, you say basically, we talked about last time when the, the most interesting aspect of the first issue was the kid. Right. So you're saying now that that's resolved, you're not really that concerned about the beings or the aliens or whatever they are. I, I, or, okay. or Wolverine and Nick Fury. Well, I could care less about Nick Fury. He, <laughs> he, that guy, I, I have no emotional attachment to him, partly because I don't know his background right. or his flying car that looks like a balloon. But the whole, now I'm a little intrigued. You know, obviously they're ta- they're doing something. The drug dealers intrigue me because okay. it seems like they're taking over people because of what they do. Right. So that, you know, why would an alien race, let's just call them an alien race, need to take over drug dealers and cops? So, nutshell, I'm not really worried about Wolverine, I'm, but I, I'm intrigued more about why they're using drug dealers. Okay. And cops. Right. Okay, well, um, overall, I liked it. I thought the art was pretty fantastic. There were a couple of things that kind of nitpicky bugged me about it, but overall, I thought the art was really strong. I thought the story moved along. Um, the idea of them now just chasing the gun is not... I'm, I'm kind of with you. Chasing the gun by itself is not as interesting to me as chasing down the kid and figuring that out. But um, I'm still slightly curious, you know, what the, what the gun is doing. But definitely not as curious as I was. Knowing that the watcher being there means that they're screwed is has me slightly intrigued, just because I I know the history of that. Um, I also, I mean. I knew kind of Nick Fury Jr.'s story, but I really haven't read anything, so I don't have any particular attachment to him one way or the other either. Um, I'm definitely intrigued, but I'm with you. I'm not quite as... I'm not anticipating issue three quite as much as I was this issue. I would agree with that one. Right. Well, so that said, what's your rating? Oh, yeah. Out of three claws. Out of three claws. And I can't do a half and I can't do a middle finger claw. No. (laughs) No. Oh, gosh. This one's going to be hard because the art was great. I think the banter back and forth between the kid and Nick and cracked me up. Right. Because I think we got to see a little bit of uh, Wolverine's smart alecky. Right. And, you know, the complete shock of the homeless guy getting incinerated when I... I, I mean, we did, get to, we did get to see Wolverine drink a, a bottle of... A jar of crap. That's worth, like, a claw by itself, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> totally worth a claw by itself. Um, and you're not going to let me do a half middle finger? No, just do the best you can. So, I, I, I can only give it one claw. Okay. I, so Denise gives it one out of three claws. I give it one, and if you disagree, well, on well, you. Obviously, I am, and we disagreed last time too. Well, that's true. Um, but I am also going to go down, like you. So I'm following suit to a degree. I'm just, I think my enjoyment's a little higher than yours. Um, I'm going to give it. I think last time, I, I gave it three out of three last time, right? I think so. Yeah, and you gave two out of three. So I'm going to give Wolverine number two, two out of three claws. It's a pretty strong two. Like I said, the art 
and coloring in particular were both super fantastic. Um, I thought the story of him chasing down the kid and dealing with the kid was interesting. And I liked the portrayal of, of the gun, like I said, in the scopes. Um, and I'm interested enough to see them try to chase the gun down and see if the gun's going to go back to the other possessed people or if it's going somewhere else. That's an interesting So I'm kind of interesting. Like I said, I don't know. The, the story in and of itself was enjoyable enough for me to keep it at two claws. But I'm so, definitely, to me, it was definitely not quite as intriguing as the first issue. So I think, so you're going to shoot me when I say this, and it'll probably go against all little snitcast uh, <laughs> podcast rules. But so I think instead of me giving a, an overall rating, I, I'm I'm going to vote and you can you can veto me, but I want to vote and have sort of, you know, in art school, we got two grades. We got a grade on the art and we got a grade on the concept. So I want to give a uh, claw rating for the art and a claw rating for the storyline. Well, then we'll average them out and that'll be your rating. Well, then it still only gets a it gets a one and a half. <laughs> Hot dang. Okay. So what are you giving the art then? I, I'm going to give the art three claws. Okay. And uh, But I give the storyline one. That, so you give the whole book two claws? No. One plus three is four divided by two is two. Damn. <laughs> this is why I'm an artist and not a mathematician. <laughs> So anyway, depending on which Denise you ask, she gives Wolverine number two either one out of three claws or two out of three claws. No, I and give the art three <laughs> claws. I give the storyline one. And I give Wolverine number two two out of three claws. Um, and we'll see where it goes. So um, anyway, that is this section. All right, we'll be moving on. Thanks, Denise. No problem. Okay, so I wanted to quickly hit Uncanny X-Men number four. It is by Brian Michael Bendis. Pencils by Chris Bacalo or Bacalo, Tim Townsend, Jaime Mendoza, Al Vey, and Victor Onazaba are the inkers. VC's Joe Caramagna is the letterer. And then Bacalo and Townsend did the cover. The cover's pretty cool. Um, it's got magic, not my favorite the uncanny x-men but uh she's decked out in real muted colors but then the x on her shoulder is a bright red she's kind of wearing her uh sci-fi sex slave costume <laughs> kind of looks like barbarella and then she has nice buckalo hair kind of the really long like what do you call those like if girls had bang sideburns i don't know and she's got her giant ass sword uh, but the backgrounds are really cool, like golden brown color. It looks really nice. It's it's a cool cover. So Wolverine's kind of in this by proxy. Um, this mirrors all new X Men number ten. Remember, I predicted, or not that it's a just enormous prediction or all that miraculous, but I thought and was right that Uncanny X Men number four would kind of mirror that story from the other side. Then they would go back to the school and see their students at their school. Uh, the young Kenny X-Men going back to the new Xavier school, I mean. And they would see their students and blah, blah, blah. And then when come back. But I, but I incorrectly thought that it would end with the cliffhanger again. And they would save the reveal for all new X-Men number 11. Well, they don't. 
you know, I thought they were just in the in the issues in the same place. But they actually do reveal who which of the original X Men joined old Scott Summers in the Uncanny X Men. And as they uh Wolverine's only really in it on the mirror side of the this material we already covered from all new X Men. So the stuff's different. We see the new students kind of running around school. We have a nice conversation between Emma Frost and the Stepford, uh, I guess there's triplets that are left, and that's kind of cool. Um, the art, Bacalo art's really good throughout. And the students, while while Scott Summers and the rest are away, the new mutants uh, accidentally discover the danger room, and then Magic's powers go crazy. And we get some trepidation in the last few pages. Uh, two of the new students are cautiously optimistic about being at the school. They don't know whether to trust Scott or not. They feel like they're not getting all the information. One of the girls, her codename is Tempest, she says, I'm worried that our teachers have more problems than we do. And so they talk about that for a little bit, and that was pretty cool. They say that there's parts of, of Cyclops they really like, but parts they're scared of. And then we find out. We find out that Angel... The young angel is the one of the original X-Men who will be joining the uncanny X-Men. And it's cool because the old Cyclops calls him one of the original X-Men, one of the greats. Come here to from the past to do right by the dream of Charles Xavier. And so anyway, just thought that was really cool. Wanted to kind of give an update on that. Um, overall, of course, it's a, it's a Bendis book, and this is a sister book to All New X-Men. This is the first time Wolverine has showed up, even though he didn't really do anything new. The art was really good. The script was really good. And we find out it was Angel, so that's exciting. I'm excited to see what they do with that. And I'm glad they went that way. I, I, I kind of said that I thought it would either be Gene or Warren. And that I thought they would both be compelling, but I would rather it be Warren. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like and I said this last time, it makes the most sense to me to split up the angels. The two beasts kind of go good together. And the two Icemen, even though it can be a little much at times, they uh, they go well together too. I didn't think it would make sense. I thought it would be a good story, but I'd have to really see where business went if Gene went. And obviously Cyclops wasn't going to. So to me, because... Old Angel has kind of got rebooted and recloned, and he's young too. I think to me that's why it felt like it made sense to split the angels up. Because you don't have like the the older version and the younger version. They're both kind of younger at this point <laughs> in Angel's evolution as a character. So it made the most sense to kind of get them apart. So I was really happy with that and really excited to see what they do. I know we don't get to talk a whole lot about Uncanny X-Men on this podcast because Wolverine's not in it much. But if you're enjoying all new X-Men at all, if you're a business fan at all, you should definitely be reading it. It's been a great book so far. Um, I'm going to give Uncanny X-Men number four, three out of three claws. Cool. All right. Well, let's keep going. Okay, so now we're going to move on to the next chapter of our Extermination Saga. Extreme X-Men number 13. Remember, this whole crossover is by all three writers of the three books, that being David Lapham, Marjorie Liu, and Greg Pak. This particular chapter is written by Greg Pak, with pencils by Guillermo Magoran and Raul Valdez. Inks are by Ed Tadeo, 
Carlos Cuevas, Don Ho, <laughs> and Walton Wong. I don't think it's Don Ho, the ukulele guy, but I guess it could be. Uh, Lee Luffridge did the colors. VCs Clayton Coles and Joe Sabina did the letters. And the cover is by Giuseppe Camincoli with Cam Smith and Rain Barreto. Uh, the cover is kind of cool. It kind of reflects the Dark Phoenix cover. I don't think they're actually on the moon, but it kind of has that look. It's got uh, James Hallett and Civil War Cyclops. And then Dazzler in the middle holding Kurt Wagner, or the young Nightcrawler. And um, holding his limp body in the middle. It kind of looks like uh, Scott holding Gene at the end of uh, Dark Phoenix. But, um, so definitely a homage to that. It's a pretty cool cover as far as it goes. It's well drawn, well colored, etc. Not a big fan of the extreme X-Men characters, but whatever. Alright, so basically in this issue... The X-Men come up with a plan. They're, they're losing to these monsters that are going to eat all the different parallel universes. And Wolverine says, Haven't met a monster yet without a weak spot, Prophet. Just got to keep sticking him. <laughs> it's a very Wolverine thing to say. I got to say, the art, I don't know who's who. I should because one of these guys drew last time and the other one didn't. I think. I'm not even really positive about that. <laughs> uh, but one of the guys has a cool... Kind of, kind of manga y, kind of 90s imagey at some places, but then kind of the uh, weird proportions. But it looks cool. I wouldn't want to read it all the time. It'll, it's, it's nice, it's cool. Uh, Wolverine looks cool. Uh, Howlett looks pretty sweet. Actually, he's the best he's looked in the whole crossover, I think. Yeah, it looks cool. But basically, the X Men all decide that these beasts or, or these monsters, these villains, are summoning millions, even billions of them, to come destroy all the universes. The X-Men decide that they have to choose a world to save and close a portal. But then the, and then some of the other X-Men decide, no, we're X-Men, we save everybody. So they come up with a plan that, I guess the extreme X-Men universe has already been destroyed? Because they talk about how they tried to defeat one of the monsters and it just ate the whole world. So I think it was that one. They talk about that they want to try to save the other two worlds before the, the monsters spread to even more universes. And the way they want to do that is to go out and draw the other two monsters to where the third one is on our world and try to defeat them there. And then they can close the portal and bring everything back to normal. And the way they're going to do that is tempt it with the apocalypse seed. And Jean Grey is going to take it over. But first they have to get it back from Dark Beast who stole it. And they do that. Nightcrawler stabs him with a sword. Uh, Age of Apocalypse Nightcrawler stabs Dark Beast with a sword. And AOA Jean Grey gets the Apocalypse seed and that's where we end off. Yeah, the art. Uh, one guy was significantly better than the other. They were both pretty good, I guess. Really not much happened besides what I just summarized in that quick summary. Basically, the gist is they decide, they come up with a plan to try to save all the different universes. And then next issue, we will find out if they can achieve that plan. And I don't know if that's the last issue or not. It's going to be an Astonishing X-Men 61. Uh, it just says to be continued in. So I don't know if there's an extermination number two that ends the, the crossover or if it goes back to one. I don't think it goes to any of the other books. This book, I think I incorrectly said last time that Age of Apocalypse was ending. I'm not sure if that's true or not. I know this is the last issue of Extreme X-Men. 
So it kind of goes off as a very kind of unimportant chapter of a crossover that I'm not really digging that much. So I'm sorry to see it in that way. It's the only issue I bought of it, too. Like I said, some of the art was really good. Some was okay. Story was okay as far as the crossover goes. Overall, I'll give it Stream X-Men number 13, one out of three claws, and, and hope that it's over soon. <laughs> Alright, so it's Stream X-Men number 13, one out of three claws. Alright, cool. Let's go to the other uh, crossover. Okay, so last for this week, we have Age of Ultron, book five. This is, of course, written by Brian Michael Bendis, penciled by Brian Hitch, inked by Paul Neary, Paul Mounts is the colorist, VC's Corey Pettit is the letterer, Hitch, Neary, and Mounts did the cover. It's a pretty cool cover. Uh, it's okay, actually. Um, kind of has everybody that's, that's in the thing. In a big scene, Red Holt's in the center, moving stuff around, and everybody else is around and is kind of fighting. I have Wolverine, Kazar, Hawkeye, Spider-Man, Moon Knight, Iron Man, Black Widow, Captain America. Is that Misty Knight? I remember who that is. Uh, Storm and the Invisible Woman. Really, who is that? I don't remember. Anyway. All right, so basically we, we start off Months ago, and Tony Stark, Reed Richards, and Hank Pym were trying to revive Ultron. Or not Ultron, a uh, Vision. And I thought, they keep talking about how he couldn't revive himself. But I thought he did in uh, Avengers Children's Crusade. Am I mis- misremembering that? I'm not sure. Anyway, they're talking about it, and he's somehow, and they're talking about how Ultron invented or made created Vision, and Hank Pym talks about how he didn't create Ultron, that he planted the seed for Ultron. He was trying to make, he made the original AI, but that AI created itself as Ultron, and kept making itself better with each iteration or whatever. So Ultron kind of created himself in a way, and then he created Vision, and it's funny in a little bit of obvious foreshadowing he talks about sometimes I wish I could go back in time and tell myself not to do it but then we wouldn't have vision and who knows what the world would be like and Reed Richards says well yeah you know it's a conundrum you can go back to fix that well you gotta fix everything you gotta kill Hitler and then I guess uh or no I guess Tony Stark says that and then Reed Richards says then you have to, or no yeah Reed Richards says it both he goes, you have to go back and kill Hitler. And then you might as well go back to the Garden of Eden and smack the apple out of Eve's hand. <laughs> and then Vision suddenly wakes up and he kind of jokes with them. Uh, Tony asks if, if he remembers them. It's like, Mr. Stark, doctors Pym and Richards, you look well. And Tony Stark laughs because he's in this club of geniuses, but he doesn't have his doctorate. <laughs> then we switch to now in the Savage Land. Our heroes are following Kazar to try to find Nick Fury's secret bunker. Tony Stark starts laughing, says that the vision was the perfect plan. That Ultron created vision and they took him in. That Ultron didn't intend to ever use vision against them. But because they were so buddy-buddy with them, it was the perfect plan. 
after all, kind of by mistake. You know, he says, um, he builds a robot and we take it in and we make it our friend. One of us marries it. Sure, why not? Who cares that Ultron built it using technology we can't even understand? So they get to the bunker and Sue Storm goes in, or they get to the cave where they think the bunker is. Sue Storm goes down and, and turns the different walls invisible and finds the bunker door. But they can't get in because the report that they found giving the location did not give the code. So Red Hulk goes in and kicks the door in. And he gets shot by Nick Fury. Um, so he's down there. He scans everybody and decides they're real. And then we go to Austin, Texas, which is really cool. And we have a guy, um, what was his name here? What is his name? Um, Philip. Philip and Doris, a couple in Austin, Texas. And they're debating whether they should kind of flee to the country. And the wife is arguing that Austin is a major city. Ultron will come, but they haven't come yet. But then they do. <laughs> and we get a double two-page spread of the Ultrons invading Austin, Texas. And, you know, it mostly looks like Austin. So that's cool. Being a lover of Austin, Texas, I was it was cool to... Not cool to see it get destroyed, but it was, you know, it was cool to see it represented. <laughs> and then it was worthy as the live music capital of the world to be destroyed by Ultron. <laughs> I hope that doesn't mean ACL Fest got cancelled because I still plan on going to that every year. <laughs> Ultron can have a... They can headline. The Ultron band. So we go back to the Savage Land and Nick Fury talks about the plan. He says they're standing on it and it's Doctor Doom's time platform. And Nick Fury talks about how he figured out that Ultron was attacking them from the future and Spider-Man says, yes, Luke Cage died finding that out. And Nick Fury says, I'm going to have to take a team into the future and unplug Ultron and end it so he can't go back in time to attack them. But Iron Man says, that's a horrible plan because Ultron will know they're coming now. Because since it was in the past, he will have seen it. And they can't do it. Quicksilver says, but it's our only hope. And Wolverine pipes and says, wrong. Our only hope, sunshine. <laughs> Calls Quicksilver sunshine. As we go back in time, before this robot was created, and we cut off the hands of the guy who created it. Captain America, looking very grizzled, says, Hank Pym created it. Wolverine says, so we go back there and we cut off his head. And Valkyrie's like, or we could just go back and tell him not to make it. And someone said, who is this here? I don't know. But she says, yeah, how about we just, you know, tell him. Wolverine's like, no, the stakes are too high. We go back in time and tell that guy not to create the thing. We're pretty much daring to do it. We all know this guy. He'll think he can do it and do it right. He'll think he has to. He'll look at our warning as a challenge. And the dreadlock girl who may or may not be Misty Knight, says, I hate to say it, but I don't disagree. You know what? There's a thing in the front. I think, or no, it's in the back. No, not in this one. Oh, here it is. Okay. So the short-haired girl is Daisy Johnson, 
and the dreadlock girl is Monica Rambeau. I have no idea who either of those girls are. Not in books that I read. Uh, but anyway, she says she doesn't agree, and Sue Storm also does not disagree. But you can't risk completely obliterating the space-time continuum. And Parker, Peter Parker, Spider-Man, Dr. Octopus speaks up and says, If the butterfly effect on a butterfly is astronomical, the butterfly effect on killing an Avenger would be astronomically insane, not to mention morally horrific. And Storm tries to appeal to Wolverine as a teammate and longtime close friend. She says, Logan, you have no idea what you would do to the world if you went back and did anything like that. Wolverine says, but it has to be better than this. And he turns to Iron Man and says, you and him are the same kind of science nerd, Stark. You tell me true. Someone like me or Captain America shows up on your doorstep and tells you specifically not to do something. Iron Man says, Cap, and Cap just looks down. <laughs> Nick Fury says, well, while the book club decides what the moral thing to do is, Maybe some of you want to suit up. And he opens another door and says, Grab whatever you need. There's an old Iron Man armor, the Mach 2. And Tony Stark is excited because it's not plugged into any of the networks. So Ultron can't find it. And he accuses, he says he'll forgive Nick Fury for stealing it. And Nick Fury's like, I didn't steal it. You gave it to me back in your more cocktailish days. And Captain America has his energy shield. Hulk grabs Ares' axe. Spider-Man finds some web shooters. He will grab some guns. And so uh, Fury decides he's going to grab a team. And the team is going to be Iron Man, Captain America, Storm, Invisible Woman, Red Hulk, Black Widow, and Quicksilver, and Quake. Who's Quake? She must be one of these peoples that I didn't recognize the name of. Let's see if no I don't know I don't know who Quake is but they're on the team that's going back whoever they are I still I'm looking at the art and I'm still not real sure but anyway they disappear into the time stream and so Wolverine asks Clinton Barton Hawkeye says hey Barton you got any idea how to get that thing up and running again Spider-Man says you want to chase after him and Moon Knight says he wants to go back in time and take care of Hank Pym. And Spider-Man's like, no, absolutely not. And then in the best page of the series so far, we have Wolverine and he pops his claws and he looks back and says, I've seen everyone die at the hand of this thing. And this thing killed Thor, the thing, Luke Cage. Nick Fury and those guys, they ain't going to make it back. And I ain't come this far in life to let it all go to hell like this. Start it up and let me put the world back the way it's supposed to be. And just so we're clear, I ain't asking for permission. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. And it's a full page. And I love when, when you see people in the reflection of his of Wolverine's claws. And we see Mark Spector, Peter Parker, and Clint Barton reflected on the three claws. I don't know. This picture, the art on this, this full page is awesome. Wolverine looks great. Um, that's where we end up. So the rest of the book, the art is again inconsistent parts pages are really good and pages are okay none of it's bad it's just i don't know the part with with them res waking up vision that part's okay then the part in the savage lands good 
And then when they get in the bunker, oh, Nick Fury looks badass. And the, the, the double page spread of Austin looks cool. And then after, from after that, when they go back to the bunker, that part looks really good. And it's pretty much really strong the rest of the book out. And we get to the last page of Wolverine, and that looks awesome. As far as the story goes, it was it's more businessy. We had some humor, and the plot definitely kind of develops. I kind of predicted the going back in time thing. I, I figured Wolverine would, would do his part. I didn't realize it would be separate from what the other guys were doing. That was kind of a surprise. Even though I kind of knew it, I'm kind of interested in it. I mean, I was pulling for it, not just predicting it. So I'm interested to see how the confrontation goes. I thought for an issue that was just kind of moving the plot along, it was pretty good. So I'm going to give it a uh, Age of Ultron Book 5, 2 out of 3 claws, but it's a strong 2 out of 3. I'm still kind of gradually building the story and building momentum away from kind of its weak start. So I'm definitely enjoying it more. I think the art switches. Is it next issue or the issue after? I'm not sure. Uh, there's not a picture of... Let me see here. Yeah, we have a art for book 7 and book 8, but not book 6. So we'll see. Oh, wait. Yeah, we do. At the very, very end. And I think it is Death Switch to Brandon Peterson. So that should be cool. I like him a lot. Actually, I'm kind of looking forward to that. But Hitch, you know... When he's good, he's really good. He's just not always in top form, I don't think. But I've, I've said that enough. Anyway, Age of Ultron, book five, is two out of three claws. All right, cool. That's it. Okay, so that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. As usual, please uh, give some feedback uh, about what you think about the issues, about the podcast, about me. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, uh, let's uh, let's have a uh, claw rating on you. Right, right. How many claw? No, no, thank you. <laughs> um, anyway, if you're getting us off of iTunes, you can leave iTunes reviews, and you can also check out the webpage for uh, show notes and other fun stuff. That's uh, snitcast.podbean.com. Of course, you can like us on Facebook. You can search for us, or you can go directly to it at facebook.com slash snitpodcastfanpage. You can email uh, snickcast at yahoo.com or you can follow us on Twitter at snickcast. In fact, let's have a, uh, let's do a Twitter thing. A Twitter thing, okay. So basically, you know, people can comment on the show. I think we put a question out there who prefers uh, digital copies versus paper copies. Right. And just from the aspect of color. And you can reply back your answer with hashtag snick color uh snick cast snick cast well no because the question's about color so we're hashtagging the color okay i don't know how that works okay so yeah you're gonna do hashtag snick color and give us your feedback and that way you can follow us on twitter and you can see other people's feedback you can also leave feedback on the facebook page yes and like the Facebook page. Yes. And speaking of that, I'm going to read, uh, as promised, the, the, the new likes for the last month or so. We have, of course, Denise Seibert has liked us. Yeah, Thank you, you Denise. Me. Yeah. I had three claws up to your head. That's right. Um, 
Velma Metz has liked it. Johnny Knowlton has liked it. And Brandon Malone has liked it. So thank you guys very much. Hope you're still enjoying the show. Of course, that brings our total up to eight. Um, so let's try to get two more and get at least ten. Now let's let let's hit the bar higher. Let's, okay. Let's double it. Let's double it. Let's double it. Let's double All it right. before double the down, end of kiddos. May. Wow, that's <laughs> okay. Hey. Uh, in almost a year, I've I've gotten eight. <laughs> oh, really? Okay, yeah. So we're gonna triple it. No, I guess not all eight months. I've got, I've got, I'm averaging a like per month. Hey, not bad. Yeah. Not well, bad. That's a lot less than the people listening. So come on, people, get on there. Okay, like the Facebook so page. Hey, if nothing else, don't, don't do it to assuage my ego. Get on there so you can talk to each other. I mean, like, for example, Pat, who was one of my first likes, put stuff on the page all the time. And it's really cool stuff. And, and it's stuff people could talk about. If you were on there, you could look at it and be like, hey, I remember that, or I like that idea. And speaking of, no, it wasn't his idea, but he he agreed uh, with the idea. Yeah, I was going to say, was your idea. my idea, um, don't be stealing my thunder, Pat. Right, but Pat's the only person who has agreed or disagreed, and he agreed. So I would like to know what other people think. Denise, you know, with the, we've been watching x-men the animated series from the 90s with our son ethan and denise has suggested that we do like an oh, audio no. commentary podcast to the episodes it's not a suggestion okay. it's gonna happen it's gonna ha- right. so she says it's gonna happen now there have been podcasts that have addressed the series before but to my knowledge i listened to one of the episodes just as a sample because i didn't want to copy anybody or do what's already been done i it seemed to me that and they just gave a very broad overview. So if we did this, what we would do is actually sit down and have you guys queue up the episodes with us. They're on Netflix. They're easy to get, or you can probably torrent them or whatever. Now, don't do anything illegal like that. No, nothing illegal. Fingers crossed behind our backs. Right. But um. anyway, you can queue it up and watch the episode with us, and we will provide an audio commentary to go along with it. So... If you like that idea, either on Twitter or Facebook, follow us, like the page, and speak up and let us know what you think about that idea. Because if you like so it... I can decide if it's worth adding another podcast to my schedule. <laughs> yeah, because if, if nobody says whether you like it or don't like it, my dream of doing this for, for Ethan is that uh, it's flushed down the toilet. Uh, why did you have... You did not say that you were doing this for Ethan. Now you're okay, trying. Just, now I, you're trying to you guilt me violin? into doing it, right? Do you see the violin? Little tiny violin. Little tiny violin. Yeah, no, but seriously, if you like it, like the Facebook page, follow us on Twitter. Follow us. Follow you on Twitter, right? Because I'm not on every episode, right? But I want to be. Well, well, we'll work your way into more things. Okay, when, so if you like the page, also comment. We want more of Denise. If if you indeed want more Denise, it would not hurt for you to voice your opinion. No, you want more Denise. Yeah, so we've babbled enough about that. We're going to get out of here. Um, but you know how to hit us up, and you should start doing it, because I really would like to just interact and have some community. That's the main thing. It's not about ego. It's about community. And I genuinely want to share my thoughts and conversations with other people. So uh, get... Wolverine guru-ness? I, I wouldn't even say I'm a guru. There's, I guarantee you there's people out there 
who are listening to this and know a lot more about Wolverine than I do. I just had the the desire to do this. Yeah, you're still a guru in my eyes. Well, yes, compared to you, I'm a a Wolverine deity. Yes, (laughs) you're the uh, Wolverine encyclopedia of almost useless information. (laughs) Anyway, we're out. Hugs and snicks. Bye. Bye.